<clears throat> Good morning. Can we turn the lights on? You know, that was, um, you know, worship's so very, very important. You were actually made to worship Him. Amen. You weren't made to live your life just for self. You were made and designed to worship God. And that's one of the reasons why now there are many forms of worship. Dedicating your life to God is a form of worship. But music is a means and a way for us to lift them up. Um, City, when you do that song, I bow down, you get me every time, man. Every time we do that song, it gets me. I I can't not bend my knee to him. Because I've been made to worship him. It's funny you use that... um, story picker, or the vision that you had all those years ago, and um, yeah, I'll save it for my sermon. Anyway, it's good to be back! Um, Yeah, it's really good to be back. You live in a fantastic country, do you know that? Uh, I love to travel, I love to go overseas, I've spent, you know, uh, over three weeks, 23 days or something we spent in Uganda and um, God was really good. It was a very busy time, pretty full on. And then we had the pleasure of traveling. Uh, I met Pekka and Jerusha and Travis in Barcelona. It's a tough life. And then we traveled around Europe for several weeks. And um, you live in a great nation. You should be thankful where you live, everybody. You know, sure, you know, we could change the government. We could do this and that. But man, you are blessed And sometimes it's important that we realize the blessings in our lives and thank God for them. Can I have an amen? Amen. One of the things that struck me when we were traveling around Europe um, was the history that we maybe don't get being brought up in New Zealand and Australia. Uh, Just the long-term history of, of, of Europe and the impact of the gospel. The impact of Jesus. See, we visited a whole bunch of old historical places and the, the stamp of the gospel is all over Europe. It's all over uh, history because Jesus has impacted this planet like unbelievable. And I know there's a sense, you know, um, I've been listening to a couple of people about where is Australia uh, in line with, you know, where God is at and all those kinds of things. I want to tell you, God's hand is on this nation. Amen. I want to tell you, God is going to save more and more souls in this land because Jesus said he would. Do you understand? Don't believe the lie that God is not at work still. History records that Jesus touched this planet for more than 2,000 years and he is still touching and impacting this nation. You are part of that. I love what Brooke said uh, about our obligation to share our faith with those that don't know him. If there is a problem in Australia, it is that the church is too timid. If there is a problem in Christianity in Australia, it is that the church sits back and is fearful and afraid, and we shouldn't be because we hold the answer to this planet. We hold the answer to this nation. Amen? 
Now, I'm a bit jet-lagged, and it's always fun. I was thinking about when I was driving to church this morning. My brain's quite numb. I don't know why jet lag seems to affect me. Um, I have a numb brain. I have a numb brain without jet lag, I'm sure. But um, So we'll see where we go. Uh, sadly, I, I, I found out, I think you must have left a notice on my, on, my, on my desk, Karen, about Trevor Jones passing away. When did he pass away? So Trevor Jones actually uh, has been a believer in our town for a long, long time. Um, and he also was at our church for a, a year or two. And he passed away um, uh, Wednesday. And he, his funeral will be this coming Wednesday. So, you know, those of you who know him, it would be good to go and support the family. I want to pray for the family. Um, you know, because... Uh, They're grieving the loss of a dad, a husband, a grandfather. So, Father, death is a very difficult time. But, Lord, death of a believer uh, ushers them into your presence. And, Lord, there is great joy. I know that that family has great faith in you. We just pray, Lord, for the Jones family. Lord, that you would comfort their hearts, that you would bring that reassurance that Trevor is with the one who loves him. Father, be with that family, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, How many were at the service when Terry spoke about Uganda? Most of you were. He did a really good job, a thorough job. We had a very busy time, man. Very challenging, a few things as well. Um, So I'm not going to talk too much about that. I'll talk about that later on, you know, in the few coming weeks or whatever it is. Um, Do you like to celebrate things? You know, we celebrate weddings. I want to celebrate something to me that is kind of special to me um, is my sons, Zach and Izzy, and also um, Bowen, uh, who are part of the Woodlock Band. You know, this coming Sunday night that one of their songs is going to be on American Idol. How crazy is that? That it's going to be uh, background music to one of the stories they do about one of the artists. So how good is that? Can I have that's a good thing? (laughs) See, I love... You know, we're not meant to hide away from the world. We are, you know, we can, we can be salt in so many areas of this planet. And we carry the answer. All good. Radio. Um, yeah, let's just open the word. Father, I thank you for the word. Um, you know, Lord, you know my reliance on you. Um, and I pray, Holy Spirit, clear my mind. I know there are people you want to touch here this morning, Lord. Um, open their hearts to you. Lord, let your your word pierce through difficulty, through hardship. Bring a spirit of encouragement to these people, Lord, who need to hear from you this morning. Holy Spirit, encourage those of us, Lord, who are already in that good space as well, I pray. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. So it's funny... um, um, I had a particular message I'd been working on while I was away that I was going to preach. And then um, Friday night, um, jet lagged or whatever it was, I, I, didn't, I couldn't sleep. And I got up and um, I was just praising God, praying and whatever. And I just felt God really touched me and I got very weepy. I got very teary-eyed. That's why that um, story that you, you know, the, the vision that you had about you know, um, the tears and whatnot. And I was just very weepy. And I felt so emotional 
and I felt God lay on my heart Psalm 27 and about um, the truth behind Psalm 27. Psalm 27 is one of the really special Psalms for me, written obviously by David. And I want to open up, I'm going to read the whole psalm to you today, and I just want to see where God leads us. I did entitle my message this morning, Don't Give Up. Life can be very difficult, hard, uh, we can feel like we're being smashed, just like that that vision that Pekka had, and um, we can lose sight of some really important things. And David in Psalm 27 talks about his journey of life, so I'm going to read it to you now. Psalm 27, I'm going to read it to you in the NIV Bible. It says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 2, When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Verse 3, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not Fear, though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing have I asked from the Lord, this only do I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Uh, Verse 5, for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says to you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn uh, your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me nor forsake me. God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes, for false witnesses have raised up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Love this psalm. Very, very rich in in biblical truth. David is writing about the, the wonder of God, but the challenges of life and how the two intersect how his relationship with God, how his understanding of God, though he walked through troubles, would intersect and he would have this thing called confidence and strength to endure through difficulty. He talks about a thing called the day of trouble. The day of trouble. Very interesting. How many people have had days of trouble? Give me a wave if you've had a day of trouble. Who enjoys A day of trouble. Is it like, yeah, man, I just love the day of trouble. Nobody does. In fact, if you're like me, we wish we could escape from the difficulties of life. But it is a reality, my friends, and David is talking about a reality about life. We will face days of trouble. 
you will face difficult moments in your life for whatever reason, maybe because of people around your world, maybe because of circumstances, or maybe even because you've been dumb and you made some bad choices. But we will face days of trouble. And the cool thing about the psalm, David writing it, is David presents answers that he had found through walking through his days of trouble. David, a very interesting man, as a boy, you know, had his family turn on him, his brothers, as a boy, uh, was prophesied over that he would be a king, uh, destroyed a giant, uh, then had a crazy king try to kill him, then eventually became king of Israel, uh, a very powerful warrior, a worshiper of God. Uh, But through his story of life, he went through these moments of days of trouble. Days of trouble. Now, I want to talk to you about what it means when he's talking about a day of trouble. He didn't say a life of trouble. He didn't say, my life has just been one big trouble. He didn't say, you know, from when I was born to the end, it was all about trouble. No, he said there were moments or days of trouble. But he had years of wonder and blessing in his lives. Do you understand? When you are going through a day of trouble, it is very easy to think that this is going to be my life. But my friends, that's the cool thing about the Christian message. That's the cool thing about Jesus bringing good news. You will face days of trouble, but friends, the the sun will shine again. Do you understand? The sun will shine again. Now, optimists and pessimists, I don't know which category you guys fall into. Are you a pessimist or are you an optimist? Me, I personally believe that Christians should be optimistic in life. I can't say I've met Christians, I have met Christians, I can say who I would call pessimistic people. That they are not kind of, oh, well, I'm going to have a day of trouble, but the sun's going to shine again. A pessimist is someone who thinks that they're just waiting for the next trouble to come. Rather than thinking, man, the sun's going to shine tomorrow, they are just, oh, man, that trouble's coming again, trouble's coming again. And they wait and look for trouble to come. David was not a pessimist, my friends. David was an optimist. Now, an optimist... And a realistic optimist is somebody who knows they're going to face a day of trouble. But they are optimistic about that the sun is going to shine again. This is not my destination. This trouble is not the rest of my life. This trouble is merely a moment that I must endure to get on the other side of where the next good things that are going to happen in my life. You get what I'm saying? You see, I believe the Christian message is the most optimistic message on the planet. It's realistic because Jesus tells us that trouble is going to come and difficulty is going to come. But it promises that God will take us through those. Hallelujah. Am I speaking to anybody today? Well, tell me. Remember we, we were, when I was, you know, I've been away. Amen means I agree, Keith. The Bible and the word amen was given to us for us to agree on truths. And when we speak them out, there's something significant that happens. So can I have an amen as we do the journey? Yeah, you're getting there, you're getting there. Man, 
Did you see some of the videos we sent back from Africa about their amening? I purposely did those to inspire you about the level you can reach, you know? Optimists are people who amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You and me, Courtney. So an optimist is a person who sees good things everywhere, is generally confident and hopeful of what the future holds. From the optimist's point of view, the world is full of potential opportunities. The pessimist is, on the other hand, observes mainly the negative aspects of everything around them. I don't believe anybody is born an optimist or a pessimist. I think we make choices that will put us into that category. You know, you can say, well, my dad was this or my mum was that. Sure, but you make the choice whether you're going to be a person who believes for good come or you're going to be one that's looking for the negative. Personally, I can't handle being around that too much. Maybe because I'm just weak, I don't know. Okay, I love it. If you are going through a difficulty at the moment, I want to tell you, according to how I see the Word of God, it is temporary, and God wants to lead you through that. Hallelujah. You are not meant to have a lifetime of suffering. Yes, you will have some suffering. Hallelujah. Courtney agrees. Okay, one of the dangers when we go through difficulty that I've found in my own life is that we can blame God and think that God is punishing us through the difficulty. We can think, you know, God, why are you doing this terrible thing to me? What's going on? Yes, there are moments that God will use difficulty. He uses difficulty, but he is not the instigator of punishing you, my friends. If you are in some kind of thinking that God punishes you or, your God, or the God of heaven and earth is all about punishing you, then you don't know who God is. Hallelujah. Psalm 27, is, David is trying to explain something about who God is. So who is God? Who is God in your life right now if you're going through a difficulty? How do you see God? How? Comforter, yep, absolutely. See, if you think he's punishing you, yes, God can't bless when you're stupid. Yes, God doesn't bless sin, but God's ultimate desire is to pour blessing and goodness upon your life. You with me? Hallelujah. David said this, I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So David knew and had a confidence in his heart that when he was going through his days of trouble, that there would come a time through going through that trouble where his very eyes would see God's goodness. He was confident of it. He would see God's goodness. Why? Because his picture of God was that God was good, not bad. That his picture of God was not that God was a God who was just all about coming and punishing the earth. What does it say when Jesus came in John chapter 1? It says this of Jesus in John 1, 14, talking about when Jesus 
was transformed from being the word to becoming a man, to becoming a child. It says this of Jesus, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And this, this is what it says of Jesus. He came full of grace and truth. See, he's trying to, they're trying to get us to understand when Jesus came, he didn't come to punish. He came to rescue. The world was already condemned because of the foolishness of mankind. Jesus came, God manifest in the flesh, full of what mankind needed. Mankind didn't need punishment. He came full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. That's what heaven's like. That's what the heart of God is like. Um, the word grace means favor, kindness, and goodness, and a whole bunch of other words. So Jesus came full of kindness, goodness, mercy. He came full of this thing called goodness. David said, remember, I am confident that I will see in the land of the living, not just talking about when he was going to heaven, he was talking about while I'm still breathing here, while I'm still on the planet, <clears throat> squeaky, squeaky, I'm going to see God's goodness. Hallelujah. You see, whatever trouble you are going through, whatever difficulty you are facing, my friends, God wants you to have a confidence, the same confidence David had, that you can see goodness through your difficulty. Hallelujah. Goodness. The word goodness means good things, the best things, benefits, goodness, uh, a place without evil, prosperity, beauty, and happiness. So David, even when King Saul was after him, even when King Saul threw a, sword at, a spear at him, even when his son turned on him, even through all the difficulties of life, he knew that he just needed to endure, get on the other side of it, and his eyes would see God's goodness. His benefit, his kindness, his prosperity and his beauty and his happiness. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. James 1.7, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, shadow, or turning. <clears throat> Matthew 7.11, if you then being evil know how to give good things or good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Nahum, I bet you haven't read Nahum for a while. <clears throat> Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. New Testament scripture, Old Testament scripture, describing who God is. He is a God of goodness. He's a God who wants to pour good things on those who are his children. Now, David was described as a man with a heart after God. Have you heard that? 
You know where that comes from? David being described as a man with a heart after God. It comes from uh, in the story of when uh, King Saul had rebelled against God's plan and Samuel comes to King Saul and he says, Saul, you've blown it. God is going to raise up another man, David, whose heart is after God. Uh, In Acts chapter 13, verse 22, it says this, After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So David, remember, he's the guy that wrote Psalm 27, is described as a man whose deepest desire was to pursue God. He had a heart that was looking for God. Psalm 27 is written by a man described as someone who God uh, was drawn to like a magnet. And one of those reasons why is because David's heart was always pursuing God. David made mistakes, but he was a man whose heart was pursuing God. Very important you understand this. David in Psalm 27, 4 that we just read, speaking of himself, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. I want to ask you this morning, what is the one thing that you can say of yourself? What is the one thing that you can say of you on this planet? Can you say what David says about yourself? Can you say that your deepest desire, the thing that is at the very core of your being, the thing that you want to find the most in life, the thing that your journey on this planet is looking for is to seek to find the presence of God and to dwell in the midst of it. It's a super amazing statement. David was a king. He had tremendous power. He had a fantastic Uh, fantastic wealth, but this man could say of his life, he wasn't seeking those things at the very depth of his core. He was seeking to be in the presence of God. Remember I said earlier about worship? See, worship says a lot about a church. Worship says a lot about you. Oh God, I'm going to get harsh. Why do we have people stand up here and play music Oh, well, you know, and and try to get you to engage in the song that we sing to Jesus. Why? Because we want you to encounter the person of Jesus. See, that's why it's so important. If you can sit in church on Sunday and you can just sing the songs, I just wish those songs would finish. I just, you know... Uh, and it's an endurance thing, then, friend, there is something wrong with you. Do you understand? Because David, who God was attracted to, 
who God was drawn to, who God recognised something special about him, was described as someone at the very core of his being sought to dwell in the presence of God. And that lifted him out above everybody else. Hallelujah. See, when you're going through a difficulty, it is very easy to be overwhelmed by the difficulty you face. And that kind of becomes your world of all you see. All you see is your problem and your difficulty. And you might even be somebody who's sought God with your heart, but life and its journeys have kind of eroded that desire and you've been overwhelmed by your trouble and you just can't see out beyond it. But David was a guy who did face tremendous trouble. In fact, his life was put in danger many, many times. But he could say, doesn't matter. I'm confident. I just want the presence of God and to dwell in his beauty. To gaze upon it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why did he say that Jesus or the presence of God was beautiful? City, when's the last time you went and said, I don't know, some, to something? Men don't usually use that kind of language, except when they're talking to their wives, maybe. Why did this warrior king, who was so powerful, describe this deep desire that when he came into the presence of God, he didn't call it something that punished him. He didn't call it something that made him feel bad. He said, man, when I get into the presence of God, there is tremendous beauty. I'm overwhelmed with the glory and the sense of being with God. Oh God, I'm getting crazy. Friend, if you have a superficial, nominal relationship with God, you don't even know him. You don't understand that God is the most glorious and beautiful being in the universe. And when you get in there, you can't not but be overwhelmed and seek and want more of it. Hallelujah. I'm not hearing too many amens. Remember, Psalm 27 is written by a man who was trying to give us answers to walk through our struggles. Hallelujah. And my friend, I want to tell you that in my life, when I've faced my difficulties and I've been overwhelmed by them sometimes where I just wished I could die, that my rescuing or the lifeline for me has been this drawing into his presence. And when I gaze on him, when I'm in this wonder of being in the presence of God, all that stuff, all my difficulty, all my problems melts away. Hallelujah. See, that's why we want you to worship at church. Not because it's religious, not because we're some contemporary style, because, friend, it is the answer to your life to gaze and be in his presence. Amen? Amen. So, this this is what I love. So imagine, here's David. 
He's a guy that just, man, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be in your presence. What did he discover about who God was as he dwelt in his presence? Well, we've talked about he was overwhelmed with the majesty and the beauty of God, but there's something else. There's something else that created a confidence in David that he could say, doesn't matter what happens, I'm able to remain confident through my difficulty. And I want to tell you what it was. It's because he knew that God was good. He knew that God, though he was going through difficulty, God loved him so much that he would lead him to goodness despite his difficulty because God is ultimately amazingly good. I'm over Christians who try to tell me God is punishing everybody. Yes, there is a result of the stupidity of sin. That's just how it is. That's the law of the universe, friend. If you hit your head with a hammer, it's going to hurt. If you do dumb things, if you break, we had a prophetic word in our prayer meeting that we are not to neglect the Ten Commandments. Very good. Because the Ten Commandments were given as this um, way to live life in society. But when we break those rules, friend, there are consequences. You're going to walk out of his goodness and into trouble because you were dumb. Hallelujah. But God is good. What are you laughing at? Two amens. I'm, I'm winning today. So I want to read to you Psalms are so important because Psalms are where David expresses his heart so often. David, who was a man with a heart after God, who loved and desired to be in God's presence and gaze on God's beauty, discovered that God was so good. And that's what Psalms says a lot about. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all my days, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. You know, we dwell on the negative of that psalm. That psalm is like, yeah, I'm walking through my day of trouble. The shadow of death is over me, but I am going to experience the goodness of God through my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 23, you know, they play it, it's like in these movies, and it's so sad at the death or whatever. But it's a, it's a psalm saying, man, trouble's coming, but friend, the goodness of God is still going to follow me all the days of my life. Amen. David, a heart after God. Psalm 33, 5. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. David was blessed because he trusted in God, because he knew God was good. Hallelujah. Psalm 100, verse 4 through to 5. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Did I just read that one? Because I'm jet lagged. Psalm 107, 8 through to 9. Oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 31, 19 through to 20. Oh, how great is your goodness, 
which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Hallelujah. Friend, we should want to worship him. We should want to say thank you to him because he is so good. I was overwhelmed. You know, I've got to tell you, the last day when we were flying from um, Barcelona, coming home, and we, we had about two hours. We, had to, we took a flight from Paris, got to Barcelona. And me, you know, we were, we were going to sit in the airport for about two or three hours for our next flight. And I thought, nah, man, I went and got a bus ticket, went out from the... Um, the uh, airport and jumped on this bus and then I thought, man, I'm stupid. What if I'm late? What if, I, what if I can't find my way back? You know, kind of stuff. But I'm sitting in the bus and I'm looking as I'm driving through and I just begin to become overly, I don't know, overwhelmed with emotion. I just started to cry. I just started to weep. Not because life was painful, but because I was so aware of the goodness of God. Of how good he is. You know, and it was kind of like I'm teary-eyed on this bus and I had to pull myself in. And the last probably four or five days, I've got to watch it because I get teary-eyed. We were in the prayer meeting and I started to pray a prayer and I couldn't keep going because I was going to cry like a baby. I'm glad nobody knew. Why? Because there's something happening around me at the moment where I am overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Friend, stop looking at your troubles. Develop a heart like David did where you want to desire God. Give me a wave if you know he's good. Give me a wave if you've had experiences when you have felt the goodness of God. Well, friend, that's how he is. Stop thinking he's the author of your trouble. Maybe you are because you've been dumb. Or maybe... It's just a day of trouble that you have to walk through because life has trouble. Hallelujah. David said this, I will remain confident. I will keep confident. Doesn't matter what's happening around me. Doesn't matter when trouble comes. There's a confidence. There's something inside of me that makes me feel confident. Interesting, because the world is seeking confidence. There are a lot of self-help things out there. Now, this is not talking about self-confidence. See, this is talking about confidence that comes from knowing who God is. You know that? That's the true confidence you need to seek after. Because that will then make you feel strong. Hallelujah. Self-confidence. Being sure of oneself, having no uncertainty about one's own abilities and correctness and successfulness and whatever. Man, you know, when trouble comes and it smashes you, the self soon runs out of gas. But the confidence in God does not. The confidence in God is where the strength stays in your heart. Am I getting anywhere? I don't know. Four people over there got it. And this is the 
This is the big one. I want to read to you Psalm 27, verse 13, out of the NKJV. It says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart. Man, I can't think of how many times I'd lost heart in life and I'd felt just, life was just too much. But then this confidence had rescued me from that feeling of trouble and, and, and weakness. Now listen to this in the um, Passion Bible, same in verse 14. Here's what I've learned through it all. David, remember, a man with a heart after God who wanted to be in the presence of God. This is what I got out of it, friends. When I'm in the presence of God and I'm gazing on his beauty, here's what I got. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Hallelujah. The Message Bible. I am sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth. Stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. Say it again. Stay with God. Hallelujah. Almost fell off. (laughs) Friend, stop being miserable. Stop trying to find your confidence. You know, we were in Paris, and they got all these flash fashions. It was the change of season, and there was all these, man, they dress flash, man, these people in Paris. And you know, they're walking around because they got a Gucci, or they got a Wachi, and an Uchi, or whatever it is, I don't know. But their confidence was coming because they wore a label. Friend, you wear the name of Jesus. You wear the label that will last through to eternity. You just got to understand and live with that label on your life. I like that. That's not bad. Africa. I will finish with this. I'm going to go a little bit over because I'm allowed to because I've been away and I'm the preacher. Ha ha. When I was in Uganda, I don't know how much Terry told you. Um, I watched, only half of it turned up on the stream. I don't know why. Um, There was a lot of good things and man, God is doing and just crazy. So many. But I was feeling super overwhelmed. And I felt when I got on the plane and I left Uganda and I was meeting these, I felt, man, I was stuffed, to be honest with you. And one of the reasons why was in Uganda, we had had some serious difficulties that I had to confront. And I had to um, discipline three people, two pastors and someone else. And I, I, people think I like confrontation. I do not like confrontation. You know, you've got to do it sometimes, whatever. But man, and it sucked the life out of me because I had to front people and give them some serious correction but I didn't realize how much life it had sucked out of me. And I got on the plane, and man, I was feeling out of gas, and I remember flying, talking to God and saying, God, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it's, it's too much. 
I, I don't want to do this. And I, and I was just feeling bleh, right? I meet up with these guys. We start the journey. And anyway, <clears throat> there was a moment of just when I um, thought, you know what, I, I, I feel bad. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to listen to some worship music. And um, I'm sitting wherever we were, I can't remember, and I had the air things in. And I started to listen to some worship music. And um, a particular song came on. And then the woman who had, was singing the song said and sung some particular words. To me, they were like a missile. All I can describe is like a missile of the presence of God that hit my heart. Feeling discouraged, feeling overwhelmed, feeling what I want to give up. And then this missile, because the worship took me into the presence of God. And then God knew where I was. And man, he sent this missile. And friend, it was like my heart exploded with the wonder and the sense of how good God was. And all the trouble and all the things and all the stupid stuff just left my head. And friend, he rescued me. Why? Because God is good. Friend, do not forget he is good no matter what. But it's on you. It's on you to pick yourself up and go to him. To go to him and simply, even if it's just turning a worship song on, and friend, he will pour his goodness out on us. Lord, I don't know who or what everyone is going through, but man, I know you do. And Holy Spirit, you were sent as a comforter. You were sent to bring heaven into us as individuals. And Holy Spirit, I pray for each life that is here, that is listening. That Holy Spirit, you would send a missile to the hearts of those who are struggling. Holy Spirit, pour your presence. Touch hearts the way only you can. Holy Spirit, bring a new confidence that they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen.